You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your host, Jeff Lloyd. We're going to sit down today a little bit later on with John Hickman, host of Locked On Texans, as we continue the AFC South crossover week on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode of Locked On Browns is brought to you by Built Bar. Um, as the guy's been telling you, I, I look, I'm snacking. I'm eating everything. I'm not a big workout guy. But these have turned in actually taste really well. Built Bar, uh, good for all you people, all you athletes who, and you know, before a run, before a workout, great, great nutritional bar, protein bar from Built Bar. I've had the thin, uh, the mint chocolate cream, which is one of my favorites. Tastes is delicious, almost kind of tastes like candy. Um, nuts without nuts, the mate, you know, they you can get them manufactured if you have a nut free household. You can get it done that way. BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On to get ten dollars off your first. Box again, builtbar.com. Use the promo code locked on. We've been doing these crossovers with the AFC South hosts, and just going to do, uh, you know, in you know, from me, a quick look at the division myself here. Um, you've gotten the Jaguars episode to this point, uh, you've also gotten <clears throat> you know, other episodes to this point from the AFC South crossover week, and just the way in looking at the division in its surface here. Um, I guess we'll start it off, you know, probably from bottom to top here. Jacksonville Jaguars, obviously a lot of moving parts here. Um, you know, players being moved out here as you know they're moving on from that team that was one win away from Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Um, you know, Blake Bortles, kind of a fallacy season. Um, never had the quarterback. Otherwise, maybe they had a long-term potential with that franchise here. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe, the situation there, one of the most talented pass rushers in the game. Um, Jaguars don't seem to be willing to pay ball on the contract extension that Yannick wants here. Causing, you know, an issue here and, you know, Yannick taking it to social media, which is never a good idea on any player's parts here. But, you know, that's going to be an issue here. They drafted Josh Allen in 2019 as a defensive end. They just drafted Caleb on as a defensive end here in uh, in the 2020 draft here. Um, I, I'm assuming they're going to move on. It's just going to be a question of you know, the best compensation, what they can get here. Um, Gardner Minshew, this is what it comes down to the Jaguars. Is this their guy of the future? This is what 2020 is going to be all about for them. You heard the episode yesterday with Tony Wiggins, who was fantastic. Again, if you guys haven't checked that one out, by all minds do, because Tony – Great, great, uh, great, great voice and has a great understanding of this Jacksonville Jaguars franchise. So he was a great interview. You're going to need to find out what you have in Gardner Minshew. Um, you saw signs last year. You saw some really, really good signs of you may have stolen yourself a starting NFL cornerback in the fifth round. Um, he's a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit exuberant off the field, a little bit of a different cat. And look, everybody's got to find their way to, you know, cope through the pressures of being an NFL quarterback. Obviously, Gardner's, you know, beats to his own drummer. You're just a little bit of a different guy off the field, but make no mistake, when it comes time to suit up and play this game, Gardner Minshew showed as a rookie a really, really solid year here. Um, not a completely full team here yet, but you're going to get a good, good read. And you're also going to get a good, good feel for what the Jaguars might need going further from hopefully what is their potential franchise quarterback in Gardner Minshew. The Indianapolis Colts. You bring in Phillip Rivers here, and you're hoping, you know, there's just a one shot left, one season left in Phillip Rivers. Obviously, 20, 2019 was not a promising season for the veteran quarterback here. Um, you know, comes into a new situation. 
you know, maybe something's different here. You're playing with a much, much better offensive line. Uh, you're playing with a good defense. He had a good defense with the Chargers, didn't have the offensive line here. You know, the running backs, you know, whether it's Marlon Mack, you add in you know, Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin, two really good backs here. They can rely heavily. Hopefully the game plan for the Indianapolis Colts isn't to have Phillip Rivers, you know, win you games from the pocket as much as it'll be strong defense, strong offensive line play, and a strong run game where they can control the clock and help limit their opponents do defensively. The Houston Texans, uh, the whole Dondre Hopkins trade, uh, it, it just didn't make any sense on the surface. Obviously, he was a player Bill O'Brien did not want to go on with any longer. DeAndre, obviously part of the Arizona Cardinals now, and which should be you know a pretty you know uptick season for the Cardinals. Uh, but you know you brought in speed receivers. Um, you know, you've got you know some underneath type of things with Duke Johnson, David Johnson. If he can get back to who he was, obviously an exceptional exceptional receiver. Um, but it's all going to be on Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, obviously the future of the franchise, having his fifth year option picked up. He is the engine that makes this Houston Texans team go. You, know, you hope to get a full year out of JJ Watt. You've got some pieces on defense, uh, secondary picking up there, play a little bit as far as the talent brought in there. So uh, Houston Texans division's winner, division winner last year. I'm not necessarily sure we're going to see them repeat, but still could be in contention for a wild card. Uh, the <clears throat> then you take it on over and you go to the Tennessee Titans. Strong run to the playoffs last year. Ryan Tannehill was a big part of that team in the second part of the regular season. Not much part of that offense during the playoffs. Uh, relied heavily on Derrick Henry. Strong, strong defense, which worked out well for them. Um, you're not going to be able to repeat that this year. Look, Derrick Henry is fantastic as he is. You know. NFL teams can commit to taking one facet away, and there will not be a defensive coordinator that's going to let Derrick Henry go for 200 yards or pop in 2020. He will be the focal point. Tannehill, A.J. Brown, these guys are going to have to produce as far as the passing game. If Tennessee wants a a return trip to the playoffs, would rather do it as the winner of the AFC South in 2020, so there will be a home game down in Nashville. That's my thoughts, my breakdown here on the AFC South. We're going to get to a little bit more here. John Hickman, Locked On Texans. It's just really hard to explain the taste of Built Bar. Real chocolate, amazing flavors. The first couple I've had, whether it was mint chocolate chip or the toffee almond, just really, really very good. Tastes good. Almost like a candy bar. It's just crazy how good these are and actually how much help they can actually bring to your body. Amazing combination of low calorie, high protein, and low sugar. No crazy additives. If you compare it to the most popular men's bar, it is half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. How can it be that good for you and taste that good, almost as good as a candy bar? That's a secret that BuiltBar.com is keeping for themselves. One thing I do appreciate with Built Bar is you can build your own box. With most variety packs, they just send you what they send you. Built Bar, you can go in and customize your own variety pack. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN to get $10 off your first bar. www.BuiltBar.com. Again, use that promo code LOCKEDON and just check it out for yourself. We appreciate everybody for listening, obviously, to the crossover week here, AFC South, AFC North. Um, should be a really, really great slate of games this year with the depth in the AFC North and most certainly the depths in the AFC South. Jeff Lloyd, your host of Locked On Browns, here with John Hickman, one of the hosts of Locked On Texans. John, I guess if we're going to talk Texans, there's no way we can go about this. Um, 
without talking about DeAndre Hopkins. Was DeAndre Hopkins that distraction? Was this more about a money type of thing? Or was this just more of a vision about what he felt was best for this offense here? Because looking at it from a national perspective, I don't think anybody had heard anything about DeAndre Hopkins and the fact that maybe he had a couple of children. However, this was much of a distraction because Sunday, Monday night, Thursday night, whenever night it was, whatever time of game, type of game it was, DeAndre Hopkins was there. Yeah, so it, it definitely was not about a distraction. There's nothing about DeAndre Hopkins since he's came into this league. I mean, I can count on one finger how many really incidents he's had, and that was the playoff game where I think Brian Horry had five turnovers or something along those lines. Uh, he's not a distraction. This was not about a distraction. The The rumor was, and I mean, he came out and, you know, kind of publicly confirmed it, that he and O'Brien did not have a relationship. They didn't see eye to eye. O'Brien has been notoriously known to kind of treat these grown men like children sometimes, especially if they are the star or superstar of your team. Uh, so, you know, the, the rumor was he came out and asked for a contract extension knowing he would not get it in order to get off of the team. And I, I wholeheartedly believe that. I think players, especially since, you know, we've seen what happened with Andre Johnson, Dwayne Brown, Jadavion Clowney, not even a full year ago, and now uh, DeAndre Hopkins a few months ago. These players understand who they're dealing with, understand that in their time, there's been a limit of how much you can take when you deal with Bill O'Brien, and DeAndre Hopkins just got sick of it. Uh, this was nothing about a distraction. This was simply about moving on, moving on from a situation he no longer wanted to be in. And, and it's a shame because I, I think, you know, with a young quarterback with Deshaun Watson and obviously his you know future in Houston looks like it's going to be long-term. And I understand you had to give a lot of money to Laramie Tunsil. And it's a huge, huge aspect to making sure you have your young quarterback protected. It just seemed like a really, really, really odd fit, you know, from the national scope, you know, the way you're portraying it, maybe it was more of, you know, you know, Deandre maybe saying, you know, I know the future isn't here. So maybe it's time for me to get on out. My Browns listeners would love to hear Two guys have played an integral role in last season, Duke Johnson and Darren Fells. Now, Darren Fells was a guy we did not want to see go after 2018. He and Baker had a great relationship. Now, here he is in his mid-30s, goes on to Houston, and puts together the greatest career, I mean, greatest season of his career to this point, gets rewarded with a nice contract for 2020. So give my Browns listeners some thoughts here on Duke Johnson, on Darren Fells, and their importance to the offense. Let me start off with Duke Johnson, and I think I'm not going to really sit in the past. I want to talk about the future, but before I do, I want to say that his last season, his first season with the Texans last season, he played a very integral role, a very important role with this Texas offense, was a very good relief runner pitcher, so to say, came in and was able to get five yards per pop, was able to be effective in the passing game, and now moving forward, now that David Johnson is here in town, in town, this offense does not have DeAndre Hopkins, so it will look to utilize every talent more often than not. And we saw that a lot last year as DeAndre Hopkins, you know, targets and receptions went down because the offense was a lot more spread out. And going into this season, I definitely see Duke Johnson being more important in his role because 
You know, we don't have that one dynamic stellar receiver. We're going to have to beat teams across the board. And that's one thing Duke Johnson is really good at, catching out of the backfield. You guys know that. But more importantly, I think his running ability is very underrated simply because uh, he, he averages almost five yards a pop. We don't see him get a lot of carries. But moving forward, I think his numbers will increase paired with David Johnson because we still don't know how healthy and how effective he can be in any offense on any NFL team because of these injuries after that one breakout year. But I'm very, I'm very, I'm very interested to see the peak Duke Johnson that I think we will get next year. As far as Darren Fells, I think he had a, a very good season, you know, unexpected, which is why he got that contract seven touchdowns. He has a great, red zone relationship with his quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Do I think he'll get seven touchdowns next year? I think it'll go down. But I can still see him hovering around four to five touchdowns. And I like what he brings to this team because in in doubt, if you're in the red zone, he's 6'7". He played basketball. He's not Jimmy Graham whatsoever. But he has a Jimmy Graham game where if you can throw it up there, you can trust him to go down with the ball. And moving forward in the next year or two, that's what we're going to need out of both of those guys. Dependability, which both of those guys have, and to be able to be inserted in the offense and affect the offense in a positive way because we know moving forward, we don't have Hopkins. Everybody's going to have to touch the ball in order for this offense to go. And it's one thing for us, you know, on the Cleveland side of it, it was, you know, the, those were two guys that were contributors. And it was two guys like that were part of the reason that there was the downplay in Baker Mayfield's play in 2019. Um, but it's always nice to see, you know, it is rare to see that Cleveland Browns players go on to some success somewhere else and to see those guys, two guys do it. Uh, not a big off season, John, for the Houston Texans. Um, you know, not a big draft class, not a lot done through free agency, but some integral maneuvers as far as, you know, things they need. I love the black lock pick. This was a guy we loved here from the Brown side of things. I think Charlie Hex could be a player down the line here, but I highlight some of the moves here that went on during the off season. And, you know, what you think is going to be crucial to, you know, what could be some more success for the Houston Texans in 2020. Well, let's talk about the most important move of the entire off season. And that's getting that protection locked down for the next three years for Deshaun Watson. Larry Tunsil getting that deal, record-breaking deal. I mean, $22 million over the course of each uh, year for the next three years, averaging out uh, $22 million, getting that big $66 million contract, and I think $51 million was guaranteed. Listen, when Larry Tunsil came into Houston the year before, the Texans gave up nearly 70 sacks. This prior year, that's knocked down almost 20 sacks, and we can also – you know, we here at Locked On Texas, we credit Deshaun Watson for a lot of those sacks because he caused them because of his 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 ability to make plays, those big home run plays, is great at times. But a lot of times, Deshaun, just throw the ball away or just hit the open man and you don't have to get the home run play every time. So he causes some of those sacks. One thing about Larry Tunstall is he has to cut down on those penalties, of course. But remind you this, listeners at home, that Larry Tunstall didn't have an offseason with his team. The trade happened a week before the actual season kicked off. And uh, I think that's a very important role in part when we look at what he'll do this year coming up compared to last year. He'll get some type of offseason. Outside of that, I think we really hit home with Ross Blacklock. We know DJ Reader went to Cincinnati and your, your division, and I think he'll do well for the Bengals. But we needed to replace DJ Reader. Not only that, I think Ross Blacklock has a ceiling 
that's much higher than what Reader had. I think he can be able to be, you know, more versatile across the defensive line. I really do. I think he can be able to cause more pressure on the quarterback and get more sacks and more tackles for loss. And DJ Reader was very good in his role, but the athleticism that Blacklock has is something that Reader does not have. And pairing him with the likes of JJ Watt, who I'm hoping that he stays healthy for the entire season. Jonathan Grenard out of Florida, I think we have a tremendous year. Uh, Whitney Merciless, all of those outside linebackers on the defensive front just get geared up for another year. Ross Blacklock fits in perfectly for the Houston Texans. You know, I was a big fan of the player and a big fan of the selection. Uh, I think he's going to walk into a golden opportunity in Houston. Um, Bill O'Brien, now this is one of the difficult things. Obviously, when you have a head coach who's also the GM here, and now this is going to continue, Bill here. Um, and I do think some of it, you know, there's going to have to be just maturation between the players, obviously, and between Bill here. And I thought, you know, we've talked about this, you know, the Houston Texans and, and that, you know, analyzing them is, yes, Deshaun Watson, it's the love to try to extend every play. And you do get a little hesitation with it, obviously, with his injury history. But he does maybe sometimes make the numbers for that offensive line look worse than they actually are, though. Now, Bill O'Brien here. Are you guys confident? Like, can Bill O'Brien get this franchise from a team that can get to the playoffs every year to the point where maybe it's, you know, contending in an AFC championship game? You know, after the entire offseason for the last year, you know, trading Jadavion, trading Hopkins, and, and the moves that he's made, I can see his direction, right? And we saw a little a bit of it last year where – Hopkins cannot be the only focal point on this offense. His targets and his receptions went down from the year prior. He wants to be more balanced. And the reason why I want to give him some type of, I'm not going to say credit, but a pass is because we've seen our team here in Houston struggle with depth. One player goes down, and it seems like whether the offensive defense, which side of the ball, when one player goes down, then the entire side of that ball seems like it cannot function. And his way of thinking right now is he wants versatility. He praises uh, DBs outside of Tasha and Gibson, which in that press conference, he named every DB in that secondary outside of Gibson. And then a few days later, he's released. He likes that versatility and he's looking to add that depth. So when I look at what he's proposing to do, those are everything that I've wanted him to do for the Houston Texans for a very long time. We're not just necessarily him, but a GM should do in Houston for a long time, get the depth that the team needs. Just so happens that we had to sacrifice our second best player on the team, but I see his vision and I'm a man of, okay, I'm gonna give you the opportunity to, here's your blueprint that you're giving us, lay your groundwork and then act on it. Now, once you act on it and it blows up in everybody's faces, then yeah, you have to go. Yeah, there's no faith in you. And right now the city of Houston, the fans, they don't have faith in Bill O'Brien. The AFC South, uh, AFC South titles, you've had them. Okay, that's fine. But we have not made it to an AFC conference game. The Jaguars did it. The Titans did it last year. And the Colts did it. Every team in the span of Bill O'Brien's tenure has made the AFC title game outside of the Texans. Now, this is what you want to do. You want to assess the, the problem that you've seen this team has struggled with. Okay, I'll give you the season or two to knock it down and work on it. But after that, if you haven't made any real improvements, Jeff, I'm sorry. The, the little faith that you have, it's all gone. There's no more credit. 
you have to go. Yeah, it does put them in a tough position where you've had a division where you had you've seen success from every franchise and essentially the uh, keep it up with the Joneses mentality, and that's something that Houston's going to have to watch out for. And it does put Bill in a difficult spot where he holds two jobs essentially for that franchise. We're crossing it over this week on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm Jeff Lloyd, host of Lockdown Browns. This is John Hickman, one of the hosts of Lockdown Texans. We're going to flip it up here in a bit, start talking some Cleveland Browns and their offseason. Appreciate everybody. Uh, Five-star reviews. Make sure you're following Spotify, iTunes. Now's a great time to go ahead and take care of that. Texans fans, Cleveland Browns fans, thank you for listening and checking out the Locked On Crossover show that we have been doing last week. This week, we're doing it to really have fun with our you know, Locked On family. We, we don't get a chance to see each other at all. Uh, everybody's in different states. I mean, unless it's the Houston Texans and Rockets or Cleveland Browns and Cavaliers, we don't really get a chance to see each other. So having these crossovers, I mean, I enjoy them. I get a chance to see the outside perspective of a person's team that uh, not only are they repping, but they're professionally discussing and talking about on the daily basis what we do here at Lockdown Podcast uh, Network. Now, we're talking about the Browns. We had an opportunity to talk about the Texans before we talk about the Browns. Baker Mayfield was ranked over Deshaun Watson last year in the NFL 100. And I have to say, because Texans fans were a little pissed about that, (laughs) <laughs> that final season, everything laid out the way it was supposed to. So, Texas fans, you go ahead and rep your team and rep your quarterback the way you should. But, Jeff, man, I got I got actually a question. There are these rumors circulating about two players, one that's on the roster, one that's not on the roster, and I believe one of them is already confirmed fake. But there's a rumor talking about Jason Peters joining the Browns. And I got to tell you, the Browns have an offensive line issue. Jason Peters is old. He is 38. So that's where, and I hate that, you know, I think the the best player in the 2007 draft, uh, Joe Thomas is no longer here to kind of witness what could be great here in Cleveland. And I I honestly wholeheartedly believe the only player that I'm taking over him is Adrian Peterson in that 07 draft. But I think Joe Thomas was the best, at least at the very least, second best player in that draft. So I hate that he's not around, but I always love this game. But nonetheless, Jason Peters to the Brown, would you like that move? Is it be a trade? I can see them giving up a fifth-round pick. Not that much, much to go get Jason Peters. I think he can help out that offensive line tremendously. However, I don't cover the people Browns like Let's talk about it. Well, the Browns went into this offseason, and they were aggressive. Um, within the first hour of free agency being open, they were able to take care and bring in Austin Hooper and Jack Conklin. Uh, two of the top free agents at their positions at the time. Um, for me, and knowing they held pick number 10 overall in the draft, and they thought highly of all the rookies in this class, you know, whether it wasn't Andrew Thomas, whether it wasn't Mekhi Becton, um, you know, yeah, and obviously, you know, um, Tristan Wirfs and ended up with the opportunity with only one off the board at 10 to take Jedrick Wills, who they thought very highly of. And this has been something here with a lot of people talking about this with the veteran offensive tackles, whether it was, you know, Jason Peters or was available, you know, the whole Trent Williams, you know, availability and whether the question was there, you know, interest or not. They had all these opportunities. They could have pursued this. Um, They chose not to do anything Trent Williams front and the Redskins still were hoping maybe Cleveland would call until Cleveland drafted Jedrick Wills at number 10 overall. 
I think if they truly felt they wanted to go with a second veteran offensive tackle, they had every opportunity to. They are still rolling around in cap space. Right now, they're the tops in the league with over $30 million. So even if it was a one-year deal for one of these veterans, if they felt that they truly needed it to happen, they probably would have addressed it by now. Um, this isn't you know, a knock on Jason Peters, who's a fantastic player. The question also may be, where exactly is Jason Peters looking? Look, when you get to that age, you want to say, hey, look, if I'm playing, I'm playing for one more ring. That's not usually the place where you go to Cleveland and hang your hat for a season. I truly think if they felt the need for one of these veteran tackles, it would have been addressed, and it would have been addressed months ago. I th- I know they're confident with Jedrick Wills. I know they feel that even though he's a rookie and they're going to put him out there on that island, they are solid at left guard. They are solid at center. They are well-established now at right tackle with three veterans there, all guys with you know solid NFL resumes. If one of these veteran offensive tackles really was something that was kind of itching at them, they would have scratched it, and they would have probably scratched it a while back. Yeah, you mentioned Jedrick Willis. Uh, how do, how confident are you him? Are you in him going into his rookie year? Because he has to protect Baker Mayfield, who uh, had a very sporadic year last year, and quite frankly, uh, disappointed after that seven what was it seven eight and one season his rookie year showed a lot of promise. But last year, I will say they struggled on offensive line. Uh, Baker Mayfield has a tendency whenever he's flushed out of the pocket. I mean, it's very clear on tape he flushes out. And he rolls to the left side, I believe, uh, more consistently than I've seen in any other quarterback in the NFL this year. But nonetheless, how how you know confident are you in Willis Jr. going into the season? Uh, for me, you know, there were guys I thought were better. You know, obviously, I thought Andrew, for me, Andrew Thomas was the best tackle in his class. There's nothing he can do about it. He went number four overall. Makai Becton, you look at it, and there were, just was not enough of the experience there um, you know, as far as, you know, pass reps. And, you know, Louisville, you know, his years there, they weren't running the most, you know, traditional of offenses. Um, then you get to Tristan Wirfs, who was a player I really liked. I would have been totally fine and content with a 10. But, you know, he had some time on the left side. This was, you know, the concern you have with Jedrick Wills. And, you know, there's no way anybody can say, oh, he'll be fine. Look, you have no way to know he's going to be fine. He played right tackle in high school. He played right tackle at Alabama. And you know, even though I have plenty of people I trust, you know, as far as opinions and their evaluation of players that say, he's going to go to the left side. He's going to be just fine. That's great. It is. But it does not mean it's still not a concern. He's had a little bit of relationship with Joe Thomas before getting drafted, you know, some back and forth. Once he was officially drafted by the Browns, Joe Thomas, hey, anything you need, you got my number. We'll work through it together. Any questions you got, footwork. You know, the pro, you know, how are you going to work out differently? You know, what adjustments are you going to make going to the left side? I I think he's going to be okay, but you still cannot just say it and throw it out there like it's it's just a foregone conclusion. Because if you do that, you're also looking at the Browns from last year. Everybody thought it was going to be a foregone conclusion. They were just going to run all that talent out there and it was going to add up to wins. It, It didn't. So until something, you know, proves you to, ignore the negative that may be there with Jedrick Wills and the fact that he's never played the left side. So until you truly see it, and you know what? You can say, yeah, it was a concern. You know what? Wow, I can't believe we even made it a concern because he's taken it and he's taken to it like a fish to water. Or you go through five, six weeks into the season and you see some ups and downs as far as footwork or adjusting to the speed from that side. Um, so, yeah, it's certainly a concern. 
Um, I don't know if it's a major concern. The kid's resume speaks for himself. And there are a ton of evaluators who had him as the best overall tackle in this class and viewed that without viewed that basing him as a left tackle without ever seeing him actually do it. But look, the kid's got to do it. It's on him. He speaks everything you want to hear. Um, the tape shows it. It's just going to be a question of, you know, switching up the footwork as far as everything, you know, everything he's done on the right side and now doing to the left side. Um, maybe it doesn't help him. That could be abbreviated offseason. That certainly is probably not going to do him any favors. But I think for the most part, everybody in the building here, everybody covering this team feels pretty confident that Jedrick Will is going to be right out there on the left side. Let me move over to another uh, rumor, and I, how freaked out were you, were you when you heard the Miles Garrett trade rumors that was proved to be fake uh, on the Twitter? You know, Twitter just takes stuff and runs with it, and we've seen Twitter tweets end up on official sports websites and things of that nature. But, you know, how freaked out were you? But are you really concerned that Miles Garrett may not be a Brown moving forward? It's funny because the day started earlier in the day, and um, and I know it came up with uh, our Lock Talks, uh, Locked On Seahawks host, uh, Corbin Smith, and there were some talks about, you know, obviously it looks like everyone knows Jadavian Clowney is not going to be back to Seattle, and then there were thoughts of, well, what will they do? Um, there's been talks about whether or not Jadavian Clowney could end up being Cleveland Brown. Who knows? Um, the Browns have kept everything pretty much close to the vest to this point this year. So whether who they have interest in and who they don't, um, anybody who's trying to make a big story out of it, uh, they're just making stuff up because this has been a really, really buttoned down front office to this point. So then the natural thought would be, well, then maybe they wouldn't keep it Olivier Vernon at fifteen and a half million dollars. And so there was me just saying, look, you know, you know, and it was talks about maybe they would trade him to Seattle. Um, look, you're making fifteen and a half million dollars. The team doesn't necessarily gonna maybe move on from you. There's nobody to trade him. <laughs> you're gonna cut him. So maybe could he be a fit for Seattle? And then I go back a couple hours later, and now it's this talk of Miles Garrett. And it is it is laughable because this Browns organization, A, number one, loves the man that he is. That incident on Thursday Night Football did nothing to sway anybody in the building as far as the Cleveland Browns are concerned. They know it was an isolated incident. They know it is a it, not even a full percent of the type of man that Miles Garrett is. Also, what do I know is they are actively, seekingly, they want this extension done with Miles Garrett as soon as possible. Miles Garrett and his you know, camp, they are receptive to it. Miles loves being in the city. I think he loves the fact that it's laid back. It's not the pressure of a New York. It's not the pressure of a Los Angeles or a Chicago. I think the type of guy he is and the laid back personality that he is, not saying that he's not motivated, dedicated, any of that stuff, because he truly is. I think he just prefers being in an environment where it's not hounded by the media. He wants to be here long-term. The franchise wants him here long-term. The franchise, they truly think that hopefully they can keep him here forever and that when Miles Garrett's career is done it, done with the Cleveland Browns, he'll just go across the street to Canton, Ohio, go to the Pro Bowl Football Hall of Fame. They are not concerned about the long-term of Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett is going to be a Cleveland Brown. That is not going to change any way whatsoever. They've made every move, shifting the money around, understanding the fact that they're going to have to pay Miles long-term as long as everything goes the way they feel it is going to go with Baker. And this is tough when you have back-to-back number one overall picks. You know, you got to make sure the money's right and you extend these guys and you still got talent around them. And that is certainly what their goal is and what their intentions are for the future. How confident are you guys in Kevin Stefanski? Stefanski, uh, first-year head coach, spent a lot of – well, majority of his career 
with the Vikings at the 2019 season where the Vikings put up very great offensive numbers. How 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 satisfied are you guys with their signing? Well, here's the interesting thing because Kevin Stefanski was up for this job last year. He was up for an offense coordinator position with the Cleveland Browns the year before that. They know him well. Paul D. Podesta knows him well. Andrew Berry knows him well. These guys have sat down. They break. They broken bread. They've talked about talked about working together. So you know, as much as that, you know, Josh McDaniels was a hot name, and for me, it was even one I was thinking of. Just you know, I mean, because I wanted somebody with experience to come into this job. Whether it was good, whether it was bad, I wanted somebody with experience here. But they went and they had a common influence with Kevin Stefanski. You know, with this analytic approach, they all look at things similarly. Um, and the press conferences to this point, whether it was Paul DePodesta, whether it was Andrew Barry, whether it was Kevin Stefanski, you close your eyes and you wouldn't necessarily know who's speaking. It's the same verbiage and they use the same terms, whether it is, you know, you know, working as a goal or this is a fit. This is a system fit. This is a team fit. This is an organizational fit. And you hear these same words coming out of here, out of, out of these guys' mouths where years in the past, it was the GM, you know, with John Dorothy saying hot, you know, nice hot flashes and this and, you know, not real football players and things of this nature. And Freddie Kitchens, who was, you know, big on hashtag phrases, but not much else here. They speak like, and they speak and sound like most professional front offices do in the NFL. Um, For Kevin, look, it's, it's going to be a tough spot because you're going to get into this and you're not, I mean, the Browns should have already had two weeks of workouts into this point with a new head coach. You're allowed to, you know, start earlier than others. They haven't been able to do that. He's made this a different thing though. These guys, his players have access to everything they need. And he's told them that they're receptive to it. He's ahead of it as far as what, you know, his players can learn through this process. And he's trying to force feed them as much as he can Right now, even though there's not classroom work, there's not whiteboard work, there's not talking it out on the field work, he's really going aggressive with this approach, which bodes well for him. But the other thing is, is kids are buying in. And with this analytic approach and the way these players are nowadays, 21, 22, 23, 24, whatever it may be, these guys are light years more intelligent than football players 10, 15 years ago, were at that same age. These kids know the game. They know it well. So they need to be stimulated. They need to be challenged. And thus far, Kevin Stefanski is fitting that bill. You know, last but not least, the most important question for every Cleveland Brown fan. And, you know, honestly, I think for any NFL fan, too, because the, the NFL is at a point where eventually the team that has been bad for so long needs to hit that curve. I was saw it in the NBA where uh, there was a point in time where the Cleveland Cavaliers were bad for a very long time, or uh, the point in time where before Orlando, you know, really got Dwight Howard, they were really an outside of the cusp type of team, you know. So simply saying that Baker Mayfield is the player for this team. He's the coach. I mean, I'm sorry, he's the quarterback. He was a Heisman Trophy winner. He was just you know, number one draft pick. They had a very good rookie year, had a very bad and disappointing second year. And one thing I respected about Baker Mayfield, he, you know, came out and said, we tried too much. We tried too hard. We were trying to prove. We were trying to do this. We were trying to do that. And it really was not about really just sticking to football anymore. But going into his third year, 
how confident are you guys in Baker Mayfield really? Because Dan Olaski from ESPN, he believes Baker's going to have a monster year. How confident are you guys that, you know, Baker's going to leave all of the past BS behind him? He's going to focus strictly on football and prove any naysayers or doubters wrong that he is going to play football and not anything outside of that. Because this second year, he had all those commercials, had a home commercial for, you know, all of the, the insurance stadium, and it just seemed like, where's football right now? The thing with Baker, and for Baker Mayfield, it is always the the fuel to do more. And, you know, going from Texas Tech to going to Oklahoma, not just being enough to be the quarterback at Oklahoma, going on to win a Heisman Trophy, and then eventually being the number one overall selection in the NFL draft. Um, I do think, and we talked about this actually today, Pete Smith and I, we did an episode this afternoon on the show, and we talked about where all of this is at with Baker. Um, Baker went into last season, yes, you know, no, freshly married, uh, you know, all the world's after him. Can you endorse this? Can you shoot a commercial for this? Can you do this? After taking an 0-16 team to 7-8-1. and Now, that's – it's weird to say that it was kind of easy, but it was. And Baker did this with Darren Fells. He did this with Duke Johnson, Rashard Higgins, David Njoku, Brashard Paraman. Jarvis Landry was essentially the only holdover he had from 2018 to 2019. And as this crumbled apart last year, and this is where the good thing is with Baker, is Baker Mayfield will take all the good you want to bestow upon him. But he is also the guy that will step up when it's not going right, and he understands his job as quarterback is, hey, I'll get a lot of the praise that I might not deserve, but also as quarterback of this team, I'm going to take a whole bunch of the negativity even if I don't deserve it. And that is the way Baker carries himself and understands that, that that's what franchise quarterbacks are supposed to do. I I love this fit for him. Now, as we talked earlier, you know, I, we talked about Fells, talked about David Njoku. David, uh, you know, Baker had completions, almost 100 completions to tight ends in 2018. Last year, the tight end between injuries, Fells going, they brought in Demetrius Harris. None of it worked. That was a part of Baker's game that he's comfortable with. So now you talk about bringing in Kevin Stefanski, who likes to not only play one tight end, he likes to play two. They love, they have huge faith in David Njoku. They already picked up his fifth-year option. Uh, so he's going to be here for two more seasons as a member of this Cleveland Browns. Guys that Baker is comfortable with. They brought back Rashard Higgins. Rashard Higgins was essentially ghosted last year by the Cleveland Browns front office. They realized that Baker was seeing a ton of pass rush and taking a ton of hits. The way this line is constructed now, it should be a significant downgrade from the amount of punishment he took. Now you're putting him with hopefully an Odell, a healthy Odell Beckham Jr., hopefully a healthy Jarvis Landry. Austin Hooper looks like a perfect fit. A healthy David Njoku. Rashard Higgins back in the fold. You're going to get a full season of Kareem Hunt. You have Nick Chubb, who's just a tone setter, as a you know, as a just a, a you know a, a straight running back. 20 carries a game, sets the tone. He gets 20 carries, you book him in for 100 yards. That's the type of player he is. This is probably the perfect scenario situation as it's drawn up. Of course, we need to say get on the field and how it plays out. But you absolutely have to love this situation for Baker Maker, Baker Mayfield to get back to the way he was spoken about during the 2018 season. And I like that Austin Hooper pickup that you mentioned because I think he's going to come in and bring dependability 
and somebody who's been in a high-powered offense and know how to knows how to contribute uh, with star receivers around him and plays a role. So I, I really like that signing for you guys, and I think David and Joku will probably be on his way out at some point soon. Uh, however, we'll see how that you know folds out. Hey, Jeff Lloyd, man, I really appreciate talking to you about the Texans, about the Browns, and you know we will square off this year, and I'm excited to see how it all plays out. Oh, no doubt. Um, there's, you know, there's been history since I've been covering this team of, you know, the Texans and the Browns. Obviously, you know, last season, you know, no meeting between them. Um, but, you know, you, you, you want to see how you measure up against anybody within, you know, the AFC. And, you know, the AFC South, there's a lot of depth there. It's going to be – it could be make or break as far as the Browns' 2020 season, you know, with, you know, three teams, uh, you know, between Tennessee, Indianapolis, and obviously, you know, you guys in Houston – it, there's three teams down there that are capable of winning the division. There's three teams in that division that are capable, easily capable of making the playoffs. So battling the AFC South this year, it, it's going to be, it's going to be certainly a, a solid measuring stick for this Cleveland Browns franchise. I can't wait to see. I mean, I think you guys have a lot of talent and I think we are, you know, before I get out of here, I think we are really missing the star quality that Odell Beckham has because he's not getting it done on the field. He had a very bad year last year to his standards and to the standards that we all held him to. So to see him get healthy, he spoke about he's going to be bigger, faster, stronger, better, more focused. Of all things Cleveland Browns, because I'm such a fan of his. And I am a fan of Baker Mayfield as well. I mean, I, I loved his game in college. and I love how fiery he is. Oh, you want to hold me back? Okay, I'm going to come on as a walk-on, take this our spot. I'm going to transfer and then go win the Heisman. So I love Baker Mayfield, and he's a Texas kid. But Odell Beckham has this uh, quality as a receiver, as a player, to really take over games, and we're missing that. And I think we're, the NFL uh, fans have been getting cheated, long, let alone the Cleveland Brown fans. Yeah, it's tough. Um, for me, in the 2014 draft process, I was in love with Odell Beckham. Um just a huge, tremendous fan. And obviously, you know, once he got his start in this league, I mean, he was wrecking it on a consistent basis. Some injuries have caught up to him and there's been naysayers along the way. And, you know, when you go through a year like Odell did last year, the naysayers are certainly going to chirp loud. But I mean, look, he still put up a thousand yards. Um, he had, you know, a hernia that was already bothering him by late September. Um, and by the end of the season, any athlete, once the Browns were eliminated, could have said, look, this is a waste. You know, why am I doing this? I can only risk further injury. Odell's Odell didn't have to finish that season. Put in 16 games in the book, played week in, week out, still got that thousand yards. You think about him healthy with a quarterback, the capability of Baker Mayfield. It's certainly a scary, scary proposition. Absolutely. And I can't wait to see it. Uh, well, we'll have this conversation a little bit later on in the year when we discuss football in the you know upcoming 2020, 2021 season. I can't wait to have it. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, look, I mean, fingers crossed, you know, everybody just be smart, be safe, do what your legislation is telling you. Uh, you know, oh, you want to get back to normal? Well, then do what you got to do now. Look, we all want our kids back in school. We want to be able to go out and live our social lives. And God knows we all want to be able to have some football come fall. Listen to the man. He's, he's smart. He knows something. He knows the Browns and he knows what he knows. That's why he just told you guys to basically stay ass in the house. All right, man. <laughs>
All right, Jeff. Uh, we'll when I finish with this one because I'm going to go back and do our A and uh, basically D block. I'll get this sent over to you. Yeah, just oh, drop yeah. me some audio, man. You got my Gmail, bro. All right, John. It was a pleasure, dude. Hey, no, it really was, man. And um, how's everything going in Cleveland? I went out there a couple years ago, and uh, this was actually the year that they were really trying to keep LeBron before he went to LA. And uh, it was just, it was just, it was so sad out there. Like it was gray and gloomy. They had the streets downtown painted with whatever it takes. And I was just like, yeah, whatever it takes to keep LeBron because he's leaving. And uh, it was, it was just so sad out there. Nobody understood this move, his move. And it was all calculated. It was all about his kids. Look, I mean, his money was made tenfold. It ain't about him anymore. It's about putting the best position for his kids to succeed. He wanted to get out there. He wanted to get to that life. I mean, the craziest thing for him, though, was seeing all this Kobe stuff. And all of a sudden, here was LeBron, like he'd been a Laker for 15 years, talking about Kobe like he was his, you know, like he was the, you know, Kobe was the, the, the top, the king, and, and LeBron was the prince. Like that was the craziest thing because it was like, Dude, you're about as L.A. as nobody. You've been there for, like, what, nine months? And all of a sudden, he was now, like, just, like, the face of this entire city dealing with that whole tragedy. It was just crazy. Yeah, that's what happens when you are LeBron James and you've been. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. He could move to my town tomorrow, and he would be, you know, he'd be the mayor by tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I thoroughly believe if, if he if he wanted to put in the work to have it happen, he could orchestrate, orchestrate Seattle getting basketball back. All you would have to say is, "Look, I'll I'll give you three hundred fifty million to get the process started. Make me the small forward. Let's roll." And they'd have That's a basketball team probably by July. And afterwards, make me a half owner, part owner, something like that. Exactly. Time. He want the Jordan route after that. <laughs> All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Pleasure talking with John. Be good, but.